like that. You want Hello, everybody, and welcome to like this post-Christmas Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all had a fantastic Christmas and spent loads of fun time with your loved ones and your family and your children, your children's children, and all that stuff. I just hope you had a great time on Christmas, on Monday Christmas, where we had football and basketball on the same day. We had a dick measuring contest between the NBA and the NFL. I don't have the exact numbers, but based off what I watched this weekend, at least on Christmas, I can tell you who came out on top in that. But that's beside the point for right now. Let's get into the housekeeping items first. Make sure you go and follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter or X, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter or X at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search The Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you follow and like the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out a few videos while you're there as well. And check out TheLoganBlackmanShow.com where you can check out links to all those different forms of social media as well as blog posts. We should have a new blog post coming out for you on New Year's Day, which is next Monday, bar. And hopefully it's all done by that point. There was, there was part of me that wanted to do a Merry Christmas mock draft, but it just wasn't happening. There was zero percent chance it was going to happen, so we're we're just we're going to record a show the day after Christmas. But again, the most important thing you can do is follow Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search Logan Blackman Show, and if you're listening right now, make sure you're following and are subscribed, and leave a rating out of five stars on both, and leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do and why you left a five star rating or why you left a one star rating or anything in between. Just let me know. Oh, oh my goodness, I would greatly appreciate it. I would greatly appreciate it. The holidays are fun though. The holidays are a very fun time for everybody. I hope they, at least I hope they were. At least they hope they were. Everybody, hope every got every. They, eh, I hope everybody got everything they wanted for Christmas this season. I had a pretty good haul this year. I had a pretty good haul this year, but it was kind of funny when I got over to my parents' house. I woke up early on Christmas Day, go over to my parents' house, open presents to my family, and I get there, and the first thing my parents tell me is that, hey, a few of your presents aren't even here yet, and then they proceed to tell me what they were. And one of them just got even canceled altogether. I was like, man, I would have felt really good knowing two things that I kind of wanted are were, were not here, but I didn't need to know that. I didn't need to know they get canceled. But maybe they just wanted to let me know that, hey, Logan, we appreciate you. And we wanted to let you know before you started crying and throwing a temper tantrum that your presence actually got canceled. It's not that we didn't order it. It's not that we were bad parents and didn't order you everything you wanted for Christmas. It's that they canceled the order. So... We could take that how we want. And there's always there's always different reactions to different Christmas presents. I remember a couple years ago, my my cousin uh, got a sweater for Christmas. It was at that point where, I mean, everybody's experienced it. You don't know when you've experienced it until you've experienced it kind of thing. I always make this comparison with, like, recess. Like, when I was in middle school or elementary school even, like, the thought of the 8-9 building in Johnston not having recess really messed with my head. I was like, well, how are we supposed to have recess? We need to have recess. We need to go outside and play Dragon Ball and Foursquare and all that kind of stuff. You got to go out there and play. And then once you're in middle school, you're like, man, we actually had recess at one point. Like, you don't even realize it's gone until it's already gone. You never think about it until you, like, you're scared of it happening. But then once it happens, you're like, oh, wait, wait we had recess at one point. And that's kind of how it was with this. This was her year. This, again, a couple years ago, so it wasn't recently. But a couple years ago, she finally reached that year where you're not getting toys anymore. You're not a kid anymore. You've, you've graduated, I guess, on the tier, on the Christmas hierarchy of what you get for gifts. You go from toys and stuff like that to things that 
you know, most adults want. You're getting into those teenage years. And it just happens. Remember when it happened for me? It just happened. I was terrified of it growing up. But then once it happened, it just kind of moved on. But she got a, a sweater. She got a sweater for Christmas one year. <laughs> and she grabbed that thing, crumbled it up into a ball, and hucked that thing at the Christmas tree. I have never seen anything like that in my life. And my sister and I looked directly at each other. I don't know if you guys have seen The Office before. I would I would uh, imagine that most of you out there have watched The Office before, or at least familiar with The Office. And in The Office, for those of you know, who didn't watch The Office, uh, John Krasinski's character, Jim, he always does this thing when something, when something whimsical happens or something crazy happens, he just turns into the camera and kind of goes, hmm, that's not great. That's not ideal. And that's exactly what me and my sister did. We were like, oh my God. And then we're sitting there waiting for my grandparents to say something because I know for a fact that she, my sister would say this too. She would have gotten a firm backhand to the back of the head if that was me or her. And nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. It was absolutely insane. I was like, what, what is happening? This is not the reaction I was waiting for. If I threw a present across the room, which thankfully to this day, I have never done that. Like if, if that happened to me, I'm getting, I'm getting smacked hard. <laughs> and then I have to leave the room or getting pulled out of the room and then getting told off. And then I have to come back and say, I actually really appreciate the gift type thing. None of that happened. Nothing happened. It, it threw us off through a freaking loop. I've never experienced anything like that. I haven't experienced since. But, man, Christmas is just fun. It's a fun day. Usually my uncle and I, we go over to my grandparents' house. We'll sit down and watch basketball. We'll watch the NBA Christmas Day specials. I remember back in the day, I got a Derrick Rose all-red Bulls Christmas jersey. The best part about it was he never even played in the jersey. <laughs> I don't even remember who they played that year. I think it was the Thunder. I think. I mean, the Bulls have played a few teams on Christmas since, you know, in recent memory, at least in the last decade to 15 years. I remember they played the Lakers. They played the Nets. They played the the Thunder. They played a few teams on Christmas, but those red jerseys, I cannot remember. Like, the all-red jerseys, you should know. I hope you know what I'm talking about. They were the red text. Like, the, the teams that were playing on Christmas Day, they all had these jerseys where it was monochromatic, where you, like, all of it was one singular color. It just had the outline was in the other team's color. So, like, the Bulls had an all-red jersey with a black outline. Like, the Knicks had an orange jersey with uh, either blue or yeah, white outline. I don't remember which one it was. The Lakers had an all-white jersey. I think the Heat also had a white all white jersey. I can't remember exactly, but NBA Christmas was fun. Like there were even times where I brought my PlayStation over when I get the new 2K, which that was another crazy time. Now we don't even get get discs anymore. I was at Quiznos the other day, and there's a GameStop right next to the Quiznos, and I don't remember the last time I was actually in a GameStop. But I remember going there as a kid and going to the bargain bin drawer or bar the bargain bin drawer, the bargain bin, and just picking out random games like five dollar games. Like, that was one of the coolest feelings ever, going to GameStop, then getting a brand new game or something from the bargain bin, or going to Target or something to get a brand new game. My my Xbox doesn't even take discs anymore. <laughs> or not anymore, it never has. It's the, what is it, the S? Xbox, Xbox Series S? It doesn't even take discs. But I remember one time that Christmas, I got a new NBA game. I don't remember which one it was, like, probably 2K13 or something like that. It's probably a decade ago, I would imagine. And I brought my PlayStation over. We set that SOB up in the hall. So my grandparents' house is... I don't really know how to, so you walk into the kitchen, okay, as you do for some houses out there, I almost said most houses, but that's, my parents' house isn't like that, <laughs> my house is like that, but you walk in, there's the kitchen, and then you go further into the kitchen, there's like this shelf area, like it's the hallway, 
where there's a shelf there and there's a TV that sits like a very tiny, like a maybe 15 inch TV or something. Just so my grandma, if she's cooking or something, she can watch the view. And it's sitting right there in the middle of the hallway. If you even want to call it a hallway, I don't even know if you technically call it that, but I, I need to talk to my parents and grandparents to figure out what that thing would actually be called. But I threw my thing on there and started playing 2K and me and my uncle played 2K the entire Christmas day. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Oh my goodness. But now we got NFL games on Christmas, which I don't remember actually the last time there was an NFL game on Christmas. And normally, I mean, it's understandable because the NBA can play every single day of the week. The NFL has got a strict Sunday, Monday, Thursday, sometimes Saturday, sometimes Tuesday schedule. <laughs> the Bills Bills were COVID Tuesday game against the Tennessee Titans. It was miserable. Never in my life do I want to play Tuesday night football again. I made a whole show dedicated to absolutely bashing Tuesday night football. It was miserable. I think the Bills got beat like by 40 points. At least that's what it felt like. We'll get to them in a little bit, but it was just odd seeing an NFL game on Christmas, especially like the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you're from the state of Iowa, you're well aware of the, the popularity of the Kansas City Chiefs, especially if it's on Christmas. My family was sitting down in the living room watching that game. We had a couple Chiefs fans there, but the rest of us were like, man, this is awesome. This is absolutely beautiful. This is a Christmas Day miracle. And early on in the game, when the Chief, when the Raiders scored back-to-back touchdowns, literally back-to-back touchdowns, and they're up, what, 17-3? to My dad and I are standing there watching the game. It was like, well, it's cool that this is happening right now, but we watched the Chiefs-Raiders game a couple weeks ago, and the Raiders were up 14 nothing in that game. The freaking Patriots were beating the Chiefs last week. Or two, when was that? Last week, two weeks ago? Either way. They were up in those games and ended up losing the games. So my thought process was like, oh, well, I'll enjoy this while it lasts. I'll enjoy it while it lasts. Chiefs will come back. They'll win. It's at Arrowhead. Patrick Mahomes never loses the division teams at home in November, December. It's not going to happen here. Today is not the day it's going to happen, especially when Aiden O'Connell is not completing any passes. Literally, I think I saw a stat was like he hadn't completed a pass from the last drive of the third quarter till the end of the game. He went like 0 for 10 in passes or something like that. And that's a further explanation on why I've said this a thousand times why wins are not a quarterback stat. Because Aiden O'Connell did next to nothing in that game. Next to nothing. Like the highlight of that game was, was it Jack Jones, the cornerback? When he pulled the ball away from the fan, it looked like there was another dude that was going to try and reach it and steal the ball from the kid. But either way, Chiefs Raiders is one of the most heated rivalries in all the NFL. So we need that juice back. We need a villains. We need our villains back in the NFL. We need real rivalries. We need real hatred towards each other again in the NFL. It's getting too friendly nowadays, so I needed to see that. It was beautiful. It was hilarious. You got some people, of course. Nobody's going to agree on everything. So it's nice to see that. I enjoyed it, but of course there's going to be some people that are, you know, I do not care. That was hilarious. I hope that kid understands what's going on here. Whether he was wearing a Chiefs shirt, jersey, jacket, sweatshirt, whatever, or the guy was trying to steal the football away from him if the guy gave him the ball. Either way, you got to understand the situation here. You got to understand the situation. Like at Wrigley Field, completely different sport, I know. But back in the day, you catch a ball in the outfield when the opposing team hit a home run, you huck that SOB back onto the field. Like, do it. I've seen it at Fenway Park. I saw someone almost hit John Carlos Stan when he was rounding second base. Or maybe he did hit John Carlos Stan. I don't remember. Over the Green Monster. Like, you got to have the hatred in those sports again. So it was beautiful to see, especially with the Raiders being these absolute asshats the past few years. I remember a couple years ago. It was either last year or a couple years ago. 
They were dancing on the Chiefs mid- on the midfield logo and proceeded to get boat raced by 40 points. Do you remember that? That was one of the most insane games I think I've ever seen in my freaking life in regards to F around to find out like that. Absolute insanity. Absolutely. And they did that again, too. I think the Raiders got boat raced the second time they played the Chiefs that year, too, or the earlier in that year. It was hilarious. I think it was Yannick Ngakwe was dancing on the middle of the midfield logo. And then F around, he found out afterwards, got absolutely beat down. But this Chiefs team, man, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love the meltdowns. I'm thoroughly enjoying the meltdowns. Patrick Mahomes has been melting down. Oh, my God. It is hilarious. Absolutely. Travis Kelsey's throwing his helmet on the sideline. I saw a tweet saying yesterday that Travis Kelsey lost his starting job in the white lineup. Like, that, that is insane. Travis Kelsey's arguably a top two tight end of all time. Or not arguably. He is the top two tight end of all time. He's arguably the best tight end of all time. And he's lost his starting spot in the all-white team to a rookie tight end from Iowa. Potentially. We can't give TJ Hawkins that because I saw he tore his ACL today. I got ruled out for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Didn't even know that happened. To be fair, didn't really watch a lot of the Lions Vikings games. So I couldn't, couldn't tell you that happened regardless. But, yeah, Sam Laporta, man. Dude is freaking balling. He didn't have the greatest game on Sunday. But, you know, he's had a very good rookie year. He's weirdly in the running for a rookie of the year, which I don't think a lot of people were expecting going into the season. I think two of the top three players in the rookie of the year candidacy this year, no one was expecting to actually be in there. And I'm talking about Sam Laporta and Puka Nakua, who was a fifth-round draft pick, who I think is also second or third in league in receiving yards right now. And maybe even some people, C.J. Stroud was one of the crazier ones to being up there for rookie of the year as well. Given that he got whatever he did in the S2 cognitive test, like, people are saying this dude's freaking stupid. This guy don't know nothing. Like the Warren Sapp, Akili Smith thing. You hear Akili Smith got a nine on the Wonder League test? A nine. One of the funniest clips in NFL history. <laughs> I feel bad for Akili Smith. Not really. I don't care. But this Chiefs team, speaking of things that I don't care about, this Chiefs team melting down like this is hilarious. And what makes it even funnier, the Bills are nine and six. And the narrative around each team is completely different. It is completely different. The Bills are a nine and six team who started off the season slow have played really well these past few weeks, and now they're apparently the toughest team to play in the entire NFL. They're the scariest team in the NFL. They're the last team anybody wants to play in January. And the Chiefs are just a freaking meltdown. I am shocked, though. Not really, but kind of shocked that we haven't seen more of the Travis Kelsey once out of Arrowhead. He doesn't want to play for the Chiefs anymore. He's a locker room cancer. He's throwing his helmet. He doesn't want to be there. Him and Patrick Mahomes' relationship is completely done. They hate each other now. Like, I, or is that just Stephon Diggs? Is that the only person that can do that? I don't remember Stephon Diggs throwing. I mean, I remember seeing him throw a, a Microsoft Surface this season. I think it was when they played the Patriots. But I don't remember seeing him throw his helmet on a sideline. I don't know. I don't know. It's just funny to me. It's funny. I don't think Patrick Mahomes really trusts anybody right now. I don't really sit, I can't really sit here and say, uh, he's wrong in that. Like, his tackles, both new this year. Remember, they lost Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley this offseason. So they got in. Frickin' Donovan Smith from Tampa, who got cut this offseason, the past offseason, and frickin' uh, Dwan Taylor from Jacksonville, who's been a walking penalty all year. <laughs> so I don't think he trusts them. Obviously, the receivers, he doesn't really trust them. MVS, that deep ball that he dropped against the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, Kadarius Toney and all the mishaps he's had this year. He's had given Patrick Mahomes at least two interceptions this season. At least two. Because he obviously got the Brian Branch one week one, which resulted in a pick six for the Lions. 
And then you've got the one against the New England Patriots a couple weeks ago, or last week, or whenever it was. Sky Moore, Lord knows what happened to him. Rasheed Rice looks good. I like Rasheed Rice from SMU, rookie out of SMU. But other than that, it's not re- it's not looking really great. And I love it. Absolutely love it. I'm here for it 1,000%. Nine and six, Kansas City Chiefs, they have officially been eliminated from the number one overall seed contention, which is even funnier when you consider the Cleveland Browns are one of the three teams in the AFC that can compete for a number one overall seed. It's the Ravens, Dolphins, and Browns. Who expected the Cleveland Browns to be in this position at the start of the year? I thought they'd be a good team. I thought they'd be a very good team. Not very good. Let's uh, hold your horse there, Logan. I thought they'd be a good team. But that was when they had Deshaun Watson. I didn't think they'd be in contention for the number one overall seed with Joe freaking Flacco being their quarterback. If Deshaun, if anything happened to Deshaun Watson, I was more than happy to see DTR carry the way the rest of the year. And he obviously had that win against the um was he the stars when they was he the starter when they beat the 49ers? I know he was a starter when they beat he cried after the game. Shit, who did they beat? The last second field goal, Dustin Hopkins, man. I don't doesn't matter. But that's what I was hoping for. I want to see DTR ball out this year. If Deshaun Watson got hurt, which he did. Not Joe Flacco. I not I did not see this coming. <laughs> I really did not see a Joe Flacco led team in the year 2023 being contention for number one overall seed over Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, and the reigning Super Bowl champ Kansas City Chiefs, who have hosted what five straight AFC title games? which is still on the cards. It is still on the cards. They can do that. They can go for a record six if it's already not a record, but they can go for another year of hosting the championship game, but they ain't going to host it all the way throughout the playoffs unless the Ravens or Dolphins or, God forbid, the Bills lose in the playoffs. And then the Kansas City Chiefs get to walk walk right back into that spot like they did a couple years ago in 2021. Like It's just a, a... or last year when you remember the Bills didn't lose a game and ended up losing the number one overall seed in the playoffs and, you know, yada, 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 that kind of stuff. But not important. Let's take a sip of water. Oh, but goodness. That game was fun. Game was fun. Meltdowns galore. Oh, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And we had the second game, second game of the day. Obviously, the New York football giants against the Philadelphia Eagles. Another fun one, but for the wrong, <laughs> the wrong reasons. There's a lot of circulating talks about the Eagles' wavering loyalty to Jalen Hurts, I guess you could say. I don't know if we call it loyalty, but they're, they're, there's growing concerns with Jalen Hurts this year. I'm old enough to remember a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago now, when the Eagles beat the Chiefs, Jalen Hurts had now, quote-unquote, solidified himself as the MVP favorite. You remember that? We made fun of that on the show. How that was insane to even talk about that. I think he had, what, 200 yards of offense? I don't remember exactly what his stat line was in that game, but they won 17-14. And he hasn't gotten better since then. If anything, he's gotten much worse since then. Like, that was insane at that time. And now it's even more insane to look back at it now. And then you got the Giants, who benched Tommy DeVito, who had his, looks like he's got the end of his Kyle Allen, Duck Hodges run of fame. It was a good run. It was fun. The memes were funny for a time, and then it just got kind of annoying because you're a terrible-ass team of a historic franchise that's won multiple Super Bowls who have been resorting to saying, hey, Tommy, do you like chicken cutlets or gabagool more? I don't know. Those aren't comparable. But, you know, it's just <laughs> it's just some Italian phrases. Like, that's where we're at with the New York Giants right now, where that's the biggest story around the football team right now. 
They're five and ten now. They lost the Eagles. Tyrod Taylor came into the game after they benched DeVito, threw a beautiful deep ball to I think Darius Slayton. Like Tyrod Taylor, for and we've talked about this before. For all Tyrod Taylor's misfortunes throughout his NFL career, how limited he is as a quarterback or as a franchise guy or whatever you want to name all of them as, that dude throws one of the, if not the best deep ball in the NFL. And I'm not saying he has the strongest arm. He doesn't have the strongest arm. But the timing, the accuracy, and the touch, the spiral is perfect every gosh darn time. It is beautiful. It was that way in Buffalo. It was that way with the New York Giants last night. Beautiful ball. They needed to have a perfect drive in order to try and salvage something from the game, and they did. And Tyrod Taylor got a touchdown, and then they get another chance. The Eagles, the Giants defense comes up big, stops the Eagles offense. And then we're sitting there, and they set over a field goal. Jake Elliott ended up making a field goal. And I'm sitting there, it's like, man, this would be really funny. It'd be really funny. Now, I, I had to look at this through two, mo- two lenses here. Because the strength of record thing <laughs> hurts the Bills in regards to the Eagles lose. Because the Bills beat the Giants and lost the Eagles. Like the Bill, the Raiders Chiefs game, the Bills beat both teams. But in the loss category, the Eagles beat the Bills. So you need the Eagles to keep doing better because that makes that loss look better, if that makes any sense. But from somebody who wanted to see chaos, who wants to want to cause problems always, always wants to cause problems, I wanted the Giants to win that game. Especially with Tyra Taylor as the quarterback. Like, I wanted to see that. That was going to be so fun. And they, were, they probably should have won. They probably should have. There was a pass interference. They didn't call the back of the end zone. I understand the refs not wanting to call that. But I thought it was pretty clear and obvious. And Tyra Taylor was right next to the referee right after the play was over. And Darren Waller. I don't know what Darren Waller's doing. I know he got a little bit. He got roughed up a little bit. But, dude, you got to get your ass up off the field. Get it up. You have no timeouts left. You can't be walling around on the ground. You can't be saying you got to do a substitution. No, you got to get your ass on the line and spike the freaking football. You wasted eight seconds doing that. You wasted an entire play <laughs> doing that. Like, as a non-Giants fan, that was frustrating. I saw memes on Twitter this morning about that, about Darren Waller. It's like, hey, Darren, you got to get up. We got no timeouts left. We got about 12 seconds left. And it's just SpongeBob going, eh, I don't really feel like it. Like, Darren, you got to get up off the field, man. We got to move. Everybody's trying. He's got like three people trying to lift him up off the ground. <laughs> get up, dude. We got to go. We got to move. We got to try and win this game. We got to be like heartbreakers to the Eagles. We got to. And in that case, you're kind of trying to figure out who you hate more between the Eagles and Cowboys. If you're a Giants fan, kind of got to figure out who you hate more. I would assume the Giants hate the Cowboys more, but I, I don't know. Maybe they hate the Eagles more. I don't know. I don't know the whole lore behind each rivalry, but I know Eli Manning played that first game in the Cowboys' new stadium, AT&T Stadium, and wrote in the locker, Eli Manning or whatever. He, Eli won the first game in that stadium, the Giants versus Cowboys. First game in AT&T Stadium was Giants Cowboys. Giants won. Eli wrote his name in one of the visiting locker rooms because he was the first person to get a win there. Like the Giants and Eagles, Giants and Cowboys. Hey, so that goes back to like the even I go, that goes back. No, it goes back deeper than what I'm going to talk about. But it goes, <laughs> we can look back at the the 2020 NFL draft, 2021 NFL draft story, where the New York Giants got jumped by the Philadelphia Eagles because the Cowboys traded back with them. Remember that draft? We've talked about this draft on the show before, but the Giants wanted to take Devontae Smith. The Eagles obviously have Devontae Smith. Well, Logan, how did that happen? Well, I'll tell you. The Philadelphia Eagles traded with the Dallas Cowboys. Who were sitting there at 10. Who moved back to 12, Giants were sitting at 11, 
Eagles jumped the Giants to Devontae Smith. Giants trade back with the Bears to Justin Fields, and the Giants took it to Aries Toney. And the Cowboys in that situation got Micah Parsons. So I think it worked out for a couple of those teams in there. But it looked like the Giants or the Cowboys wanted one of either J.C. Horn or Pat Sertan. That's what it seemed like at the time. And obviously with J.C. Horn going to the Panthers at 8, Pat Sertan going to the Broncos at 9, can't get him. You can't get him. So they traded back and got one of the best players, if not the best overall player in the draft. I don't remember all that draft off the top of my head. But getting Market Parsons at 12 is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Not going to lie. NGL, not going to lie. It's pretty crazy. But, man, that Giants-Eagles game was really fun. Really fun. And then last night, and then last night, on Christmas night, Ravens-Niners, one of the best games of the year, turned into an absolute shite show. And it started that way early. Lamar Jackson got a safety the, like one of the first drives of the game. And it was really funny if you watch that playback, not only did the ref trip him up in the end zone, but the players chasing Lamar Jackson were the best players in the 49ers defense. It was Nick Bosa, Chase Young, and Fred Warner. All giving chase to Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Every single, all their best players were chasing Lamar Jackson in the back of the end zone. And Lamar gets an intentional grounding penalty, and the Ravens give up two points early, and the 49ers get a field goal to make it 5-0, and then I look away for about 15 seconds, and the Ravens have a double-digit lead. That's what it felt like, anyways. I know that's not accurate. It's not biblically accurate or anything, but that's what it felt like. That's absolutely what it felt like. The Ravens just beat the shit out of them. And it's not even as close as what the scoreline says. Because you look at the score from that game yesterday. The score of that game is 33-19. My brother in Christ, I don't even think it was that close. The Ravens just beat the shit out of them. And you can point out little factors in that game. Like, after they picked off Brock Purdy again, it was like, good lord, the whole defense feels like they can get an interception. The whole defense was flying everywhere. They were gang-tackling everybody. They were like, if they can get a turnover, we can get a turnover. Brock Purdy, four interceptions in that game. Four. I understand he got hit and he was unlucky with some of them. But, good lord, four interceptions in one game. Like, people want to talk about Josh Allen being this crazy turnover scene, even though he doesn't lead the league in turnovers. Brock Purdy has thrown four. Josh Allen's not thrown four interceptions in the game. He hasn't. So, or at least this year. We're going to narrow it down to this year. So I'm not going back off the top of my head. I'm thinking more of this year. Four interceptions. I know the Ravens' defense is good. I know, I'm not sitting here saying, like, this is the the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers have just had a pretty decent pass defense. But... I'm not sitting here and saying it's one of the worst defenses of football. It's not. We're not talking about the Ed Donatel Minnesota Vikings here. Like, no, 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 no. Ed Donatel. That's the right guy, right? Because now I'm sitting here questioning myself. It's like, Ed Donatel. That has to be the right guy. <laughs> it is Ed Donatel. It is Ed Donatel. It is Ed Donatel. Yeah, okay, it is Ed Donatel. <laughs> We're not talking about the Ed Donatel Vikings here. We're talking about the Baltimore Ravens. Mike McDonald, one of the better defense coordinators in the NFL. Got one of the better teams in the NFL defensive side of the football. Jadavian Clowney looked like the guy who was drafted first overall in 2014. Jadavian Clowney was absolutely feasting the 49ers. The line was getting beat up the entire time. Like, it was just an absolute ass-kicking. And then Sam Darnold came into the freaking game, and Sam Darnold looked really good. I shouldn't say really good. He looked good. Sam Darnold looked good. And we've said this before. Sam Darnold does have more tools in the tool chest than Brock Purdy does. We've said that before, but that does not make him necessarily a better quarterback. There's different things than making you a better quarterback. You can be more talented, not be better. Sam Darnold is a classic example of that. Sam Darnold is more talented than Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. 
You can say the same thing about Brock Purdy, but man, four interceptions in one game is crazy. Especially this close to the MVP race, too. You can get away with this stuff early in the season. You can't get away with this stuff this late in the year. So now, which I've already, we've talked about this a thousand times in the show. I've always had a hard time sitting here and saying, Brock Purdy's the MVP of the NFL. If you're not the most valuable player on your own team, I have a hard time sitting here and saying you're the MVP of the league. And we said this last week when we were talking about Josh Allen and Brock Purdy are probably the two favorites for the MVP right now. Even though I would say Chris McCaffrey is the MVP of the San Francisco 49ers and should be more considered in the MVP race than Brock Purdy is because he is unquestionably the most valuable player on this offense. And we've done rankings before of Brock Purdy and the rest of the San Francisco 49ers offense. He probably comes in at number four or five. Because unquestionably, McCaffrey, Kittle, and Trent Williams are all better and more important to that offense. Debo and Brandon Ayuk, if you want to say Purdy's better than them or worse than them, that's fine. You can go wherever you want in that ranking. I think Purdy's had a very good season. I think Purdy does nothing amazing, but he does everything Kyle Shanahan wants him to do. And until he gets into situations like this, he doesn't really turn the ball over. He has it in the NFL, but this looked like (laughs) prime time Iowa State brought Purdy where he's trying to force the issue a little too much. Like even so where he's throwing a backwards pass to Christian McCaffrey that went for negative two yards. I saw a highlight of that on Twitter. Like what kind of PR team do you have to try and spin this off as a positive thing? It didn't work out. It got negative yards. Like why are we tweeting this out? (laughs) This isn't a cool play. It was like, oh my God. Like I've seen it. He did that against um, Kansas State or TCU, one of those two teams, when he was at Iowa State. Like, Brock Purdy does a lot of very good things, but when he gets to situations like that, everything seems to kind of snowball. At least that's what he did at Iowa State. And that's what happens when you try to do too much, but you're limited in what you can do. If you're trying to, like, over-exceed what you can actually do, and that creates a little uneasiness around the rest of the play. Like, when the 49ers were losing this game and they were getting absolutely blasted, were they trying to go downfield? Sometimes. Like, Debo Samuel got a crossing or a dig route on one of the plays. But a lot of their routes were behind the line of scrimmage or just a few yards past the line of scrimmage. And Cam Newton, if you remember this clip from a couple weeks ago or last week, whatever it was, Cam Newton got slated on social media, not even on social media, just on the national platforms, Fox, ESPN, all those places, for saying Brock Purdy, Dak, to our game managers, they're not game changers. And I agree a thousand percent with that. You never go into a draft looking for a game manager. You don't. You don't. That's why when Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, John Lynch said, no, we're not going to go with that. We're going with Trey Lance because he's a guy that can change the game. Mac Jones is not that. Now, in hindsight, would they have, if they could go back in time, would they have wanted to draft Mac Jones? Sure. Trey Lance didn't work out. They traded him to Dallas, got really nothing back in return. It's one of the one of the worst trades in NFL history that doesn't get talked about enough. But nothing because Trey Lance really did. He never got that opportunity to. Broke his ankle, second ever start in his NFL career that season as the full-time starter. He obviously started a couple of games the season prior. But you don't trade up to three, third overall to draft Mac Jones. That's what everybody said at that time. It didn't matter what Kyle Shanahan won. Now, I understand at the same time, you want your guy, go get him. I understand that. Like the Giants did with Daniel Jones. And you can look back at it and go like, man, that was a stupid trade. But at the time, they're like, he's our guy. We're not going to risk anybody else taking him. Now, obviously, the Patriots have him. We said this before. 
Like, Mac Jones would be so much better now if he was on the San Francisco 49ers than he would be on the Patriots. The Patriots are a dumpster fire. Like, last year, he had Joe Judge and Matt Patricia as his offensive coordinators. Do you want to guess what their positions were before they became the offensive coordinators of the New England Patriots? Head coach of the Lions, head coach of the Giants. You want to know what their occupations were before that? Defense coordinator of the Patriots, special teams coach of the Patriots. And now you're the co-offensive coordinator for Mac Jones with no offensive line, no weapons, and we're surprised that he stinks. Shocker. <laughs> Bill Belichick lost his fastball in regards to being a GM. So we'll see if he stays back as a head coach and what Mac Jones' future holds. Nothing great at this point in time. But it's just... I, don't, I just always had that hard time just saying Brock Purdy, MVP of the NFL. If you're not the MVP of your own team, how can you be the MVP of the entire league? This award has kind of turned, at least to people, how people talk about it on social media, is the quarterback of the best team, regardless of what his stats are. And I, Brock Purdy, not to take anything away from Brock Purdy, has had really good numbers this year. I don't want to take anything away from that. But the MVP frontrunner now is Lamar Jackson. That's the MVP frontrunner right now. Lamar Jackson's on a team that just beat the San Francisco 49ers 33-19. Had four turnovers in the game by one quarterback. Five, if you include Sam Darnold, who were picked the last play, one of the last plays of the game. At least the last play for the 49ers. And Lamar Jackson played awesome last night. Played awesome. Nothing like, I, mean, I shouldn't say awesome, awesome. Like, oh my God, he was unplayable, but he played really well. He picked up like a third and 16, picked up 30 yards on the play. Like Lamar Jackson had a very solid game yesterday. And I think Lamar Jackson, I mean, if you look at our preseason quarterback rankings, I had Lamar Jackson's fourth best quarterback in the NFL. I took some flack for that at the time from Brady and Jared. Not, not so much Jared, but Brady gave me a hard time because he had Jalen Hurts at number two. <laughs> but Lamar Jackson, I think, is an amazing quarterback. It, Lamar Jackson is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. I've been one of Lamar Jackson's biggest defenders on the Logan Blackman show ever since he stepped foot on the football field. And I think he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think he is. He's on a very good football team. I don't want to take anything away from him from that. We're looking at numbers. He should not even be close to being considered an MVP candidate this year. And we talked about this earlier in the year, about how Lamar Jackson could be considered an MVP candidate. We did. But as of right now, I have a hard time sitting here and saying Lamar Jackson is definitively the MVP of the NFL. I have a very hard time saying that. And I had numbers here, but I don't know where they went. <laughs> here, uh, no, not that one. Where's it at? 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 I can't find it. Okay, let's just do it like this. Let's just do it like this. Lamar Jackson was the second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history. Rightfully so. Lamar Jackson that season, when he won the league MVP... When he did that, where in my 2019, Lamar Jackson that year had 3,100 yards, six, 36 touchdowns, six picks. But he also had 1,200 yards rushing with seven touchdowns. So he had, what, 43 total touchdowns that year. That is insane. With 1,200 yards rushing, broke an NFL record for rushing yards by a quarterback in a season, had an insane year. Ravens won, every, I think they went 14-2 and two that year. Insane. 
more than deserving to be the second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history behind Tom Brady. Makes sense. 100%. This year, though, I have a harder time sitting here and saying Lamar Jackson should be MVP. The Ravens are still a good team. And you could see the difference of when Lamar Jackson plays versus when he doesn't play for the Baltimore Ravens. I love the step Lamar Jackson has taken as a leader as well in regards to this team. Like, he's getting after people on the sideline even when they score a touchdown or when they score field goals instead of touchdown. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to see from a quarterback. He's finally healthy, and he's playing really well, but not at that MVP level. So he had 36 touchdowns and six picks when he won the MVP. Right now, and I know there's still two weeks left, but I highly doubt he's going right, to – he has 19 touchdowns, seven picks. He has more passing yards. He has more passing yards, but 19 touchdowns and seven picks. Last year in 12 games, he had 17 touchdowns. Passing. We're just looking at passing numbers right now. This year, running the ball, he has 786 yards rushing and five touchdowns. So in total, he has, what, 24 touchdowns this year. 24 total touchdowns this year. I'm sorry, I love Lamar Jackson. You know this if you listen to the show long enough. That is not the MVP of the league at all. 25, 24 touchdowns this season for Lamar Jackson. I think he's an absolute dis- difference maker. And like the Jalen Hurts thing against the Kansas City Chiefs, I think Lamar Jackson played better than Jalen Hurts did against the Chiefs last night. Like we're comparing games that are quote-unquote MVP frontrunner games. Lamar Jackson's game against the 49ers is more impressive than Jalen Hurts' against the Chiefs. But Lamar Jackson still still not be the MVP favorite after last night. He had, what, 250 yards total offense, two touchdowns, and gave up a safety on the first drive of the game? Or second drive, whenever. However, early on in the game. I'm not going to nail it down to a drive because I can't remember exactly. I thought he looked really good. I thought he looked good. Team record is obviously going to be a factor. I understand that. But please, please, 24 touchdowns this season. Again, I understand there's two more weeks left. Lamar could finish the season with 30 touchdowns. There should, that could be a case. And I understand people want to talk about, hey, if Gus Edwards didn't get the ball on the one-yard line, kind of like Jalen Hurts, DeAndre Swift, if Lamar Jackson got the ball on those one-yard touchdowns, Lamar Jackson would clearly be the MVP of the league. So let's look at that. Let's play around with that. Let's play around with that real quick. So Gus Edwards right now has five, or no, 12 touchdowns. So 24, 12 is 36 touchdowns. That's just talking about with Gus Edwards. And that's all of Gus Edwards' touchdowns. We're not not talking about the one-yard touches and all that stuff. That's every, if Lamar Jackson got all of Gus Edwards' touchdowns, he would have 36 total touchdowns of the season, which is still less than the guy you know I'm about to say. (laughs) It's still less. The guy who is now the first player in NFL history to have four consecutive 40-plus touchdown seasons, the first player in NFL history, or NFL record, sorry, I shouldn't say NFL history, I guess it kind of is, yeah. NFL record 11 straight games with a rushing and passing touchdown. Leads the league in yards, leads the league in touchdowns, leads the league in 
the second all-time in rushing touchdowns as well for quarterbacks behind Cam Newton. A guy who's responsible. Let's let's check this real quick. I'm going to pull up the numbers here. Let's make sure we get this right. Where is it at? Where is it at? A guy who's responsible for 83.3% of his team's touchdowns this year. That's Josh Allen. A guy who does not lead the league in turnovers. A guy who has, I think, one more interception than Patrick Mahomes. A guy who I think has two more than Tua. Where's my graph as well? Where's my graph? A guy who has, and this was, when was this? This was the other day. When did I take the screenshot? A guy who has four more total turnovers than Lamar. So it's not even like it's that big. He has four more touchdowns. If we're including Gus Edwards' touchdowns, he has four more touchdowns and only four more turnovers. But the way everybody skews it around is like, man, Josh Allen's got 100 freaking turnovers. Man, it's insane. And not only that, he's undefeated against the legit MVP candidates this year. I'm not including Jalen Hurts in that anymore. I think Jalen Hurts kind of excluded himself from that conversation. But people have thrown in Dak as an MVP candidate, beat him. People throw in Patrick Mahomes, obviously, as an MVP candidate, beat him. People throw in Tua and Tyreek Hill as MVP candidates, beat them. Outperformed them as well. Maybe not Dak, because that was the the James Cook game. (laughs) So if you don't want to throw in that one, that's fine. But the MVP of the league right now, if it's not, if you don't want to give it to Josh Allen, then it's Chris McCaffrey. Chris McCaffrey is close to 2,000 yards total offense this year as a running back. I think Tyreek Hill is in that conversation still, but him missing game is uh, not helping his case. It's not. I think Tyreek Hill would definitely, is still in the conversation. I think he's definitely in the conversation. I don't know about Purdy anymore. Say, hey, you could say it's only one game. He's had a great season the entire year. But one game can mean a whole lot, especially when it's this late in the season. And he looked that bad. Like 40 touchdowns this year? Really? The Bills social media team even posted uh, numbers comparing Josh Allen to the rest of the NFL. Where is that at? Let's try and find that real quick. I gotta try and find that. A 16 more touchdowns in Lamar and 14 more touchdowns in Tua. For Lamar, and that's saying that's just talking about uh, what the without the Gus Edwards touchdowns, sixteen more touchdowns on Lamar Jackson. What was I going to search? Bills PR. There we go. Scroll down a little bit through sixteen weeks. Touchdown leaders: Josh Allen forty. Next closest is thirty-five. That's the entire league. AFC touchdown leaders. The next closest is 29. And the ones after that is 26. So Mahomes and Tua, who both, again, Josh Allen's beat the guy in second. We're not going to talk about him because I lost to him, but we're not going to talk about him. 26 for Tua and Mahomes. 40 for Allen. 83% of his team's touchdowns this year. Josh Allen, again, 40 touchdowns this year. 40 touchdowns this year. 
The Bills have scored 48 touchdowns. Just for a comparison, Lamar Jackson's 24 touchdowns this year is 50, what, 52% of the Ravens' touchdowns. 52. Lamar, ja- or Lamar, Christian McCaffrey is 29, 21 of the 49ers, 55 touchdowns, 38%, which is actually, we're not going to sugarcoat this, that's pretty ridiculous being a running back. Christian McCaffrey, 38% of his team's touchdowns. Tua has 26 of the Dolphins, 57 touchdowns, 45.6%. I'll take that. I'll take that. And the Bills this game against the, the LA Chargers was not the prettiest game, but I wasn't surprised by it. I mean, you could hear it in my voice last week. There's no way they could lose the Chargers, right? There's no way. Like, that thought's always creeping around the back of my head. Like, this game, you're coming off a dominating win against the Cowboys. You beat them 31-10. Dominate them. Don't really break a sweat, but you're wet because of the rain. But you don't really you don't really do a whole lot and beat the shit out of the Cowboys. You come back the next week on the road against a team with an interim head coach, an interim D coordinator, uh, new quarterback pretty much. Because the only game you have ever scouted Easton Stick was when he got beat 63-21 or whatever by the Raiders. That's not very easy to scout. That's a very hard game to sit back and go, that's how that team's going to be all the time. <laughs> it's very hard to sit back and do that. So I was not. So I wouldn't have been shocked if there was a, a shocker, I guess, on Saturday night. But I wasn't ever nervous in that game until the James Cook fumble, to be honest. When James Cook fumbled, then I kind of got a little nervous. But the entire game, I was sitting back pretty easily. I was not really stressed. And Bill's offense struggled to really move. They couldn't get past the 41-yard line for a while, their own 41-yard line. But things ended up working out. Josh Allen threw a dot to Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis had his one random game a year where he looks like prime Randy Moss. But it, it wasn't anything too hair-pulling. Uh, nothing too surprising happened in that. I, again, the Bills are a team that were, they were favored by 12 and a half or something in that game. But given all the different circumstances, I was not shocked by them I guess struggling, I guess if you want to call it that. I won't even say they really struggled. I think that Chargers came in with nothing to lose. And literally, they got eliminated from the playoffs after that game. They had absolutely nothing to lose. They're going to play dream killers at the rest of the season, pretty much. That's their goal. You got Easton Stig at quarterback. You got an interim head coach, new D coordinator, interim GM, even. You lost your past two games. You lost their freaking Raiders 63-21 without their best player in Josh Jacobs. Arguably, best offensive player anyways. You could throw in, obviously, Devontae in there, too, but currently. But it's just a, an odd one. Odd one. Nothing to really stress home about, write home about. And they play the Patriots this week. They lost to them already, so I'm not going to say too much about the Patriots game. <laughs> but we're going to sit here and say, that'll be a tough one. Patriots defense, good. They're coming off a win against the Broncos. Had the loudest doink of all time Ryland did. They're kicking for the Patriots. Coming off a nice win against the Broncos at mile high. Very tough to win there, normally. I know the Broncos aren't the greatest team in the world, but they're playing. They're competitive this year. They're more competitive, despite them getting thrashed by 50 points to the Dolphins week, what, three? They're competitive. They're a competitive team, and the Patriots can be competitive. It's just a matter of the Bills need to put a team like that away. And if the Dolphins beat the Ravens next week, then it doesn't really matter. Because what we're playing for right now is a division title. <laughs> so if the Bills beat the Patriots and the Ravens beat the Dolphins, which I will be the biggest Ravens fan of all time next week. Like if that happens, that game week 18 against the Dolphins in Miami is the division's decider. That's the division crown right there. And if the Bills win that game, 
And let's say again, hypothetically, the Dolphins lose to the Ravens, Dolphins lose to the Bills. Hypothetically, knock on wood. If that happens, the Bills are the two seed in the AFC. If the Bills finish 11-6, and six, they're the two seed in the AFC. So you're going to sit here and tell me, a guy with who's going to finish with more touchdowns, we could sit here, like, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not really, I, I'm not going to say it's happening. But there's a chance, very small, I, I, need, I cannot emphasize the smallness of this, but there's a chance Josh Allen could finish the rest of the season with 50 touchdowns. Like, there's 10 touchdowns the last two games. I wouldn't be shocked. Like, get a couple rushing touchdowns, a couple throwing touchdowns. Like, you can get to 50. It's a mountain to climb, but let's say that. Even if he doesn't get to 50, if he gets to 45 touchdowns, Josh Allen has 45 touchdowns, build a two-seed the AFC their division title, winner again. Knock on wood, of course. You cannot tell me he's not the MVP. You can't. You can't. I will, I will go pff, craziness. I got called crazy the other night on New Year's, on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and the guy that they were defending threw four picks last night. <laughs> Karma. Karma. And I know people, again, people want to say Chris McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, and all that stuff. There's an MVP that won back in 95. I'm sure you're all familiar with him. I've compared Josh out to this person a bajillion times, both off the air and on the air. Brett Favre. Brett Favre won the MVP in 1995, led the league in passing yards, 4,400 yards. I don't think Josh Allen will get 4,400 yards, but, I mean, hey, 1,000 yards in <laughs> two weeks. Let's see if it happens. Uh, 4,400 passing yards. Uh, touchdowns, he had 38 touchdowns. 21 turnovers. 21 turnovers for Brett Favre. This is why I always compare Josh Allen to Brett Favre. Do you want to know what the Packers' record was that year in 95? 11-5. The Bills win these last two games. They're 11-6. Josh Allen will then lead the league in touchdowns, lead the league in total yards. I guess I shouldn't keep saying that he leads the league in total yards still. I'm not 100% sure anymore. But touchdowns, I'm 100% certain on. Let's say hypothetically he ends up doing that. Leads the league in total Let's say just say touchdowns. Leads the league in touchdowns, which would be the... Out of, out of every MVP since 2016, only two MVPs have not led the league in touchdowns. That was Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers who Matt Ryan led the league in yards, and Aaron Rodgers had only four interceptions that entire season for a 13-3 Packers team, while also having 30 touchdowns or whatever he had. While also being responsible for 83% of his team's touchdowns for Josh. So Brett Favre did that. Josh Allen's sim- season is similar similar to that season. Like, passing yards, we're going to put that in chalk up and total yards pretty much. Because Brett Favre wasn't running for... Brett Favre was very mobile, but Brett Favre wasn't running for 500 yards in a season. And then the two people that beat out that year, in 1995, were Jerry Rice and Emmett Smith. Jerry Rice's numbers that year, 1,848 yards with 15 touchdowns on an 11-5 49ers team. If the Dolphins lose out, do you know what the Dolphins record will be? Do you know what the Dolphins record will be if the Dolphins lose out the rest of the season? It'll be 11-6. and six. Do you know that? What's Jerry Rice's record? 11-6. and six. I don't even think Tua is in the conversation, but you never know. People might throw him in there. And then Emmitt Smith had 2,100 total yards of offense with 25 touchdowns on a 12-4 Cowboys team. Do you want to know what the 49ers would be? What the record is right now, San Francisco 49ers? They're 12-4. and four. 
So we have precedent for this before, but Josh Allen's season is better than Brett Favre's season. And Tyreek Hill, is his season better than Jerry Rice's? Is Christian McCaffrey's season better than Emmitt Smith? Who knows? You can be the judge of that. And you think Lamar should be MVP with his whopping 24 touchdowns. 36 if he includes 12 from his running back. Maybe you want to put him in there. Maybe you want to keep Brock Purdy in there, who's not the most valuable player on his own team. And when you had that conversation last week about how I don't may not necessarily agree with it, that's probably going to be the case. And I don't want to make it sound like Brock Purdy is now a trash-ass quarterback. Brock Purdy is a very good quarterback, or a good quarterback. I think you put him in there as a top 10, top 12 quarterback in the league. But I always had that sinking feeling in my stomach that I can't, I cannot name this guy as an MVP. I can't. I can't bring myself to do that. If, it, if he won it, I wouldn't have had anything, I wouldn't have a problem with it. And there's going to be some people out there go like, hey, you're an Iowa fan, you hate Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy never beat Iowa. I have zero problems with Brock Purdy. <laughs> zero issues with Brock Purdy. I don't even know what's real. Like, could you get like a Brock? Brock um, uh, I'm trying to think of a funny name. Brock. Uh, Brock Hampton Purdy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have zero issues with him. That's the main thing you can take away from that. I think some people, sorry, from around here anyways, love the story more. I think that's another. And I, his stats are good. I don't want to take anything away from his stats. But he's not the most valuable player in the NFL. I'm sorry. He's not. I would have been fine with it if it happened. I'm not. I cannot sit here and. Like we said the same thing for Dak a couple weeks ago. Like before we eliminated Dak officially from the playoff, the MVP race when he lost by 40 points combined by two. T- <laughs> for uh, not 40 points combined, 70 points combined, not 10, not actually, but we're counting it <laughs> against the 49ers and Bills. He removed himself. The week before that, we talked about Dak Prescott being in that conversation. He removed himself. And I said, I'm not really liking that Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy are the front runners for MVP. It's not right. But we said, it's fine if it is. That's how that's the way the world works. It's going to be the NFL record. You're the best. You're the quarterback on the best team. Not necessarily the best quarterback on a team or on the best team or on one of the best teams. You're, best, you're on the best team, quarterback of the best team. And I was going through and naming the MVPs of each team. Maybe a quarterback would be, you know, let's, let's actually do that. Let's do that. So the Bills, we're going to quick fire this. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Bills is obviously Josh Allen, 83% of the team's touchdowns. Josh Allen, obviously. obviously. Uh, Tyreek Hill is the Dolphins, obviously. Tyreek Hill. The Patriots, uh, nobody. <laughs> nobody is the most valuable player on this team. Probably Matthew Judon. Probably. Unless I'm completely forgetting somebody. Maybe Christian, uh, Christian Gonzalez, when he's back in health, he was having a very good year before he got hurt. The rookie from Oregon. Maybe him. The New York Jets, uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, because he's the reason why half these people are on this stupid team and why all these people are going to keep their jobs next year because he's the reason that this thing works. At least that's what everybody would seem to believe because there's no reason that Daniel Hackett should still be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. There's zero reason, let alone what happened last year. The only reason he's got a job now is because he's got Aaron Rodgers. The Jets could keep justifying that they keep Robert Sala and Joe Douglas because Aaron Rodgers got hurt for four games. You got a lot tied in Aaron Rodgers. He is the most valuable player on that team. <laughs> because if he wasn't there, none of the other guys would be there. <laughs> so that's including Al Mazard, Randall Cobb, like all of his friends that were saying, hey, we got, I got to get new guys in here. And all of them followed him to freaking New Jersey. It's craziness. 
So I'd probably say him. If not him, uh, I don't even know. No one else. And the Jets. I, mean, I like Garrett Wilson. I like Brees Hall. Uh, Sauce Gardner's good. Good player. Quinnen Williams is very good player too. But it's Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers because it, it's crazy to say a guy who's only played four snaps with one team. But when your your sole being is keeping these people alive, <laughs> that's your you're the most valuable there. Moving over to the AFC North, obviously Lamar Jackson, the most valuable player in the Ravens. For the Bengals, Joe. I mean, it's Joe Burrow. I don't even know why I, start, I struggled with that. I think Jake Browning's played fine, but we saw what happened in the Steelers game after he had the whole "that's why you shouldn't cut me" game against the Vikings. But it's Joe Burrow, uh, the Browns, uh, Miles Garrett, easily. I mean, I like a lot of the players the Browns have. They have a lot of really good players in the old line. Uh, the D defense is very solid, but you, it's Miles Garrett. The Steelers, it's T.J. Watt, obviously. The Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud. You see how inept they look right now? <laughs> like, Case Keenum is a solid guy, it seems like. I mean, he's a Bills legend and all that stuff. But, yeah, it's C.J. Stroud. It's C.J. Stroud. Other players in there, I have no idea. Because <laughs> he's been playing without an offensive line pretty much the entire year. I can't even say one of the old linemen. Colts, who is the Colts' most important player or MVP of the Indianapolis Colts? I don't even know if I could name one. They cut Shaq Leonard. Anthony Richardson's been out all year. He's not Gardner. Jonathan Taylor's been, you know, all right, I guess, this year. Michael Pittman's Michael Pittman. Uh, I don't know. I, I Unless I'm completely forgetting with somebody. DeForest Buckner on defense? I got to look at their roster. Who else would be the most valuable player on this roster? Most val- Ryan Kelly's Mr. Consistent. Joe Quentin Nelson's been you know, up and down in recent years. Normally I would probably say Quentin Nelson, but should we just say Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, one of those two? They're always there. Might as well say that. Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, this year it's been Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen, the guy he doesn't want to be compared to, but this year it's been Josh Allen. He's been very good this year for the Jaguars. Uh, Travis Etienne had spurts early in the season and has dipped tremendously recently. Trevor Lawrence has not been very good this year, who actually leads the league in turnovers. Probably Josh Allen. Probably Josh Allen this year. Probably Josh Allen. The Tennessee Titans. I mean, it's Derrick Henry. I don't care if Derrick Henry's hurt or not. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is the most valuable player on that team, always. Uh, the AFC West. The Denver Broncos. The most valuable player right now is Pat Sertan. Probably say Patrick Sertan, right? You can't think of really anybody else to be that more, much more valuable to a franchise than Pat Sertan. Kansas City Chiefs, obviously Patrick Mahomes. Raiders. Who would be the most valuable player on that front? Max Crosby. I don't even know why I needed to think about it that long. Uh, the Chargers, proving right now, Justin Herbert. <laughs> I like Easton Stick. They can do some things differently. They can run the quarterback more because he's a little smaller and a little more mobile. But it's Justin Herbert. Uh, NFC East, uh, Micah Parsons for the Cowboys. It's Micah Parsons. Uh, New York Giants, Saquon. Obviously Saquon. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. You want to still say Jalen Hurts? See the most valuable player on that team? Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Do you want to say any of those guys? You want to go to the defensive side of the ball and go to Son Reddick, Slay, Bradbury, Reed Blankenship. <laughs> do, you, do you want to go with on the defensive side of the ball? For the, it's probably Jalen Hurts. We'll probably we'll stick with Jalen Hurts. Washington Commanders. Good Lord. Terry McLaurin, probably, right? Who else would you have on the defense? They trade Chase Young. They trade Montez Sweat. You got Deron Payne still there. Jonathan Allen's still there, but... It's definitely no one in the secondary, I can tell you that. So we'll probably <laughs> we'll go Terry. We'll go scary Terry. 
Brian Robinson's pretty good when he's not hurt, but you know, uh, Brian Robinson's definitely up there. Sam Howell could have been, but he keeps getting benched. So we'll see what happens there with the offseason. But that's another story for a different time. So Terry McLaurin there for the Bears, NFC North. Right now it's Montez Sweat. That dude's been balling since he got over to Chicago. But Jalen Johnson is also very, very good this year. DJ Moore, very, very good this year. So one of those three. One of those three. And Montez Sweat's only been there for a short period of time, but you've got to give him some respect in that category. But it's one of those three. Detroit Lions. Good Lord, you can go a few different directions here. Like the running back tandem of B, uh, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Like that one back, one two back tandem is really fun to watch. Really, really fun to watch. Really no one to write home about on defense. I mean, Brian Branch and Jack Campbell are both rookies. Sam LaPorta on offense, you could say him. Amon Ross St. Brown obviously still there. Jared Goff, very solid quarterback. Panay Sewell, Frank Ragnar. Like you got, you got good players on the team. And they just won the NFC North. I know my Vikings fans won't appreciate this, but hey, give a round of applause to the Detroit Lions. First division title since 1993. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. But hey, when I say the the running back team, that that's the that's their identity is the running back, the running game with Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Probably those two. Because they're both really fun. They're both. I mean, <laughs> Dave Montgomery, if like in the Chiefs game week one, jeez, sorry. Like when Dave, uh, Jameer Gibbs slipped <laughs> going in the end zone against the Chiefs, Dave Montgomery ran right in there, punched him from a yard out. But Dave Montgomery scored long touchdowns as you remember the game against the Chargers. Like they, he can, he has some breakaway speed. Remember the run against the who was it against the Packers when he was on the Bears? Remember that game? Like maybe the run game, but obviously Panay Sewell is very good. All the, there's got a lot of really good players on that team. Sam Laporte is good. Jared Goff. Like, there, we could go on and on about how the solid the lines have been this year. Packers, the most. Uh, who's the most valuable player? On the, David Bakhtiari, probably. Like, David Bakhtiari's been pretty much habitually hurt for the past, like, three years. So I'd probably say him and their O-line is just not very good. Not very good. They're getting linked with offensive linemen in the draft this year. Maybe the Jets tried to take for David Bakhtiari this offseason, but I would probably say him. Probably him. I mean, Rashawn Gary's a very good player as well. Uh, Jair Alexander, unless I'm forgetting somebody, but I'd probably go David Bakhtiari. He's been hurt. So I do I say him? Probably, probably. Aaron Jones, very good player as well, but we'll go with David Bakhtiari. Minnesota Vikings, it's it's Justin Jefferson. Or Kirk. No, right now, right now it's Kirk. Like, watching Nick Mullins and Josh Dobbs try to play quarterback is insanely frustrating. <laughs> and I'm not even a Vikings fan. Justin Jefferson is insanely important, obviously. He's the best receiver in football when everything's going for him. Obviously, this year it's Tyreek Hill, but normally speaking, it's Justin Jefferson. But when Justin Jefferson hasn't been there, like, Jordan Addison's been able to pick up the slack. Uh, TJ Hawkins had his moments as well, but obviously Justin Jefferson's the main guy there. But when Kirk Cousins got hurt, Kirk Cousins was ha- on pace to have like a career year this year. And then he gets hurt, tears his Achilles against Green Bay Packers. And then we're looking at, again, the astronaut, Josh Dobbs. We're looking at Nick Mullins throw one of the ugliest interceptions I've ever seen against Cincinnati Bengals. Then we got Jaron Hall who got a concussion against the Falcons. We haven't seen him since. I would love to see him play this week. I would love to say the Vikings are fighting for their freaking playoff lives right now. So they gotta gotta try something else. Gotta try. So I'd probably say Kirk Cousins. He's been hurt. Like it's kind of like the Justin Herbert thing. We're kind of seeing it now. I also also um, Brian Flores as well. Brian Flores is extremely valuable to that team. Look how we brought up Ed Donatel earlier. Remember how awful that defense was last year. So you're looking at Brian Flores like elevated that defense tenfold. They're so much better than what they were last year. But I would say either Brian Flores or Kirk Cousins for the MVP of the Vikings, just because of how important they are to that team. The NFC South, the Falcons, good God. Uh, who do you say, that, like Jesse Bates, probably? 
probably say Jesse Bates, a safety. No one on offense. Definitely no one on offense this year. Jonu Smith and uh, Tyler Algier for taking mo- moments away from their star players. Arthur Smith from limiting everything. Uh, the Carolina Panthers. I like J.C. Horn. <laughs> Would you say J.C. Horn? No. Um, they're just a train wreck right now. Bryce Young had a good game, though, against the Packers, but they're just a train wreck right now. They got a lot to work on this offseason. Got a lot to work on this offseason. Uh, the Saints? Ugh, gross. Um, who's the Saints' most valuable player? Marshawn Lattimore's obviously there. Cam Jordan's still there. Alvin Kamara, still kicking it. Ramshack's one of the best right tackles in football. O-line will be always solid. Derek Carr has not been very good. He hasn't been necessarily terrible this year, but Saints fans hate Derek Carr. <laughs> it seems like the players hate Derek Carr, too. Uh, Chris Olave got arrested this year and said, I play for the Saints. The office is like, so what? One of the funniest clips of the year. Probably one of the defensive guys, right? It's probably either Lattimore or Cam Jordan. Right? I. Who else would you say for that? I'm not going to sit here and act like I've watched a lot of Saints football this year. Normally, I try to avoid it. So, <laughs> I can't really sit here and say, like, definitively it's one of those guys. Maybe there's some other unsung hero that I'm completely forgetting about. I apologize for that. But moving on, the Buccaneers. Uh, Baker Mayfield's been very solid this year for Baker Mayfield standards. Like, given all the turbulence around the, the Cleveland Browns quarterback situation, Baker Mayfield's better than what they would have had if they just never traded Baker to Carolina and never made that stupid-ass trade for Deshaun Watson. Never If that didn't happen, maybe the Browns are a better team because of that. Who knows? But Rashad White's been very good this year for the Carolina, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then you've got, obviously, Mike Evans there, who's going to Mr. Just Consistent. He's going to be a Hall of Famer someday. Very good player. But Baker, I would probably say, I mean, the defense obviously has been very good this year too, or very, has been solid this year. But Baker, the Browns, like, I did not have that expectation for the Buccaneers because they didn't really know what the quarterback situation was. And Baker's played himself into a position where, hey, we're not, we might not draft a quarterback this year. We might just stick it out with Baker. So probably Baker. Probably, right? That's not a fun answer, but probably Baker. NFC West, Cardinals. Yuck. Um, and remember, I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. And I try to watch as many games as possible, but sometimes I miss them. So if I don't say a player you want me to say, I do apologize for that. The Arizona Cardinals? Who the hell would you say for that? Kyler? I mean, it's kind of a similar situation. Kyler's not been playing amazing, but to have that guy back is very big for the momentum for the rest of your team, but they don't really have anybody else that you can point to. James Conner's still there. Obviously drafted Paris Johnson, but we're probably just going to say Kyler. Probably just going to say Kyler. The Rams, uh, it's Puka this year. Puka Nakua this year has been absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Matt Stafford's been playing solidly. Despite injuries, Kyron Williams is insane. He missed some games. He still put up insane numbers. But the it's the young guys for the Rams pretty much. But Puka Nakua this year has been the MVP for the Rams. The 49ers, we already talked about Chris McCaffrey. And then you throw Trent Williams in there too. The defense, Fred Warner, has been insane this year. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, shout out to Devin Witherspoon, rookie from, uh, from Illinois, has had a very solid rookie year. But the MVP of the Seahawks is probably DK. DK's had a very solid year this year. Who else would you consider for the Seattle Seahawks? It's definitely not Jamal Adams. Julian Love had a very good game against the Philadelphia Eagles. He had two interceptions in that game. So there's someone we can also consider in there. But Devin Witherspoon's played good. I, I, it's not it's not Geno because Geno got hurt. Right? Normally you could say Geno, but probably probably DK. 
probably DK. So again, this was kind of just a bounce round thing. I didn't really have anything planned for this segment. So it was kind of just, <laughs> let's just go around the NFL and see who he thinks the best player on each team is, or the MVP of this to each team. So are you going to agree or disagree with some of those picks? If you do, let me know and let me know who you think. Again, I try to watch as many games as possible, but you know, I'm going to miss some. I am going to miss some, and I do apologize for that. I'm not perfect. I try my best. I always try my best. But, yeah, uh, it's just it's just craziness, absolute craziness. And the Rams, speaking of them, we've talked about them a little bit ago. Uh, they beat the Saints, obviously, on Thursday, 30-22. to Didn't start Puka Nakua in one of my fantasy leagues. Ended up losing by point whatever points. Stupid. I made the championship in two leagues. Good job, Logan. But I should have been making it in three. I got to show you this. I got to see this final score. The final score in this game, this is the league I didn't have James Cook in last week for. I managed this team so horribly. I've never managed a fantasy team so bad in my entire life than this team. I lost 183.74 to 182.76. You want to know who's on my bench this week? Can we start the, like, Like those sound trump sad trumpets and all that stuff. Can we start that, please? Because on the bench this week, in a game I lost by point what point eight points, right? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Jameer Gibbs scored twenty on my bench. That wins the game. Just anybody who scored over point eight points wins. Freaking Bijan with negative point six. Screw you, man. Um, or screw Arthur Smith. Sorry. George Pickens, who I was never considering starting, uh, 31.5. Sorry, never considered it, with Mason Rudolph starting especially. And then Puka, 24 points. So let's do quick math here. That's 44. That's 75 points on the bench, right? 75, right? So we got 24, 20. That's 44 plus 31, 75. That's 75 points on the bench. And James Cook, Stefan Diggs did nothing... I mean, if James Cook doesn't fumble, we're talking about a completely different situation here. James Cook had 70 yards rushing on Sunday, or Saturday, sorry. Stephon Diggs did nothing, which was, you know, not too surprised by that. He's been pretty much, he hasn't done a whole lot the past recent weeks. Isaiah Likely not getting a touchdown last night hurt a lot. Not getting one more catch hurt a lot. <sighs> it's just frustrating. And a Justin, too. That's what makes Jake Browning throwing freaking what three interceptions against the Steelers. Seventy-five points rotting away on the bench. Seventy-five point five points rotting away on the bench. That hurts a lot. Hurts the soul. And I'm gonna have to watch the championship game. You know he's playing in the championship game. His freaking wife. Do you know that? Do you know that? That is so stupid. And another league we talked. Remember the league we talked about in Andrew Jared's neighborhood league. Uh, Andrew choked. And didn't end up making the championship game. So, I'm not playing Andrew anymore. I'm playing John, who's... I would have won whoever in the semifinal game anyways, but the the fact I'm not playing Andrew feels weird. It does feel weird. But, you know, we move. We move. And I don't want to jinx anything. I was getting kind of nervous at points yesterday. It's a two-week playoff. But I was getting kind of nervous because... Not a lot of my team did a whole lot last night or did this past weekend until I had a few people play last night as well. But I ended up winning by a decent amount, ended up going to the championship game. So we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens there. And the other league I'm in, who is a person who's also been on this show before, 
That's T-Boy White. I'm playing him in the championship game in another league. And this league is a, six, a $50 buy-in for a 12-team league. That's $600 right there. There's a lot on the line here. There's a lot on the line. The other league's $20 and 18 league. That's $160. That's fine. That's cool. $600? That's... That's where I want to be right there. That's where I want to be right there. And I had a very good week last week. In standard scoring league, I had 186 points. I had a very good week. Very good week. So we'll see what happens here. He tried to sweet talk me yesterday. He texted me yesterday and said, hey, if everything goes smoothly, I'll see you in the championship game. But you'll probably win. No, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't put that in the air. No. You know what? I probably won't win. Reverse psychology type shit. Oh, I was so mad. I was like, man, don't put that in the air. Do not put that in the air. I got some tough matchups this week. Regardless of my lineup. I got some tough matchups this week. In the league I've been in forever, too, I would have won the semifinal game had I not lost in the last week of the regular season. If I didn't play the team that scored the most points that week, because I think I scored the second or third most points that week, or I think, I know it was second or third, if I didn't do that, I'd be in the championship right now and I'd be hoisting a trophy. Or at least playing for a trophy. So we're going to have to settle with the other leagues. I'm in a fifth, sixth place. I'm in a third, fourth, whatever battle in the other league. I don't care about that one. But that one hurt. The game against Justin. 182.76 to 183.74 is an insane, insane, insane loss. And fantasy hockey, you know, I'm still kicking it. I'm, I'm 10 and 1. I shouldn't have lost the, the game earlier in the year, but I'm 10 and 1 right now. I beat uh, the dude that thinks he's the best in the league with a 6 and 5 record, beat him by 41 points this week. He was throwing excuses in the chat saying, oh, injuries, injuries. Yeah, I had my goalie sit on IR the entire season until Thanksgiving. Do not chat to me about injuries, my guy. I do not care. Your 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 cries ring on deaf ears, kind of thing. But man, and while we're on the topic of fantasy football, let's check out our bull mania stuff. I'm 11 and eight right now. I'm 11 and eight right now. Not the most ideal situation to be in. But what games did we not talk about the other day? Oh, this game. I forgot about this game. Uh, so we watched obviously UTSA versus Marshall. Uh, Syracuse UCF USF. Uh, what happened there, Syracuse? You could score a single point? A single point? 45 to t- zero? Zero points. 45 to zero. Insane. But thankfully, Georgia Tech bounced back. Beat UCF 30 to 17. That was a good one. Northern Illinois, the Fighting Rocky Lombardis beat Arkansas State 21-19. Duke beat Troy 17-10. Game we had there. Uh, Utah State, the Fighting Spencer Petruses lost to Georgia State 22 to 45. Not great. Armed Forces Bowl. I saw this one coming. Not surprised. Air Force obviously won the game. The Armed Forces Bowl, Air Force beat James Madison, obviously, but I had to pick James Madison in that game. Uh, 68 Ventures Bowl, almost so close to 69 Ventures Bowl, hello. South Alabama dominated 59-10. Utah lost to Northwestern, which is insane. And then South Coast Carolina beat San Jose State. Uh, Bowling Green lost to Minnesota, but that one is more for principle. I was never picking Minnesota in that game. Minnesota played 100 times. I was never picking Minnesota in that game. And then right now, I've got Texas State playing Rice. They're up 7-0 in the first quarter. And then we've got games today. we also got Kansas versus UNLV tonight as well. I picked Kansas in that one. And then we've also got US, or, uh, we got Iowa State playing on Friday, I believe it is, against Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. 7-5 Iowa State versus 9-3 Memphis. And Iowa playing Tennessee in the Cheez-It Bowl. Or not Cheez-It, Cheez-It Citrus Bowl, sorry. 
And I remember I picked Iowa State and Tennessee in those games. Those were my picks for that one. But the ten, let's start with Iowa and Tennessee. We might have a show Thursday. We might or Friday. We might not. We'll have to wait and see on that. I might get some people on for that one. But Iowa Tennessee, Iowa's defense is fine. I have no issue with Iowa's defense. It's the offense that I have the issue with. But if Iowa's defense can, you know, all right, let's put it like this. If Tennessee's offense comes out in the shaky form that they can be, they score quick. They can score very fast. They're a very high-octane offense. But they can stall. And there have been moments they have stalled this year. The Austin P game is the one I always revert back to because that game they played like absolute shit. They were losing that game, or they were tied with Austin P until halftime. Austin P. You could tell me, oh, Austin P finished this. I do not care. Tennessee should never struggle with Austin P. I really do not care. Especially at Neyland Stadium. That should never happen. I like Joe Milton a lot. Jabari Small at running back's good. My uncle was telling me about some transfers they had, so I'll have to see about that. But I think Tennessee should be able to win just because of Iowa's lack of offense. Tennessee's defense is nothing spectacular. But Iowa's offense is so bad that I think their bad sub- subpar defense can uh, can overcome that. I think Tennessee's got a lot in the tank for offense. We'll have to wait and see, though. I do think Tennessee will win that game. And Iowa State, I mean, they're coming off a win against Kansas State. I think they carry that momentum against Liber- against Memphis. Finished season 8-5. and five. Be pretty damn impressive. Be pretty, pretty damn impressive. I know Memphis has always got that fast offense as well, but Iowa State, much like Iowa, good defense, but they got a better offense to counteract that. So we'll see. Memphis is never very good defensively. They're never good defensively. So I do think Iowa State will be able to win that game if they play like they can. So we're going to go Iowa State again, Tennessee, and that one, just a quick one there. And I don't think I really have a whole lot else to talk about, at least I'm, unless I'm completely forgetting something. Huh. Who knows? Who knows? I don't think I have anything else. Josh Allen has one less rushing touchdown than Christian McCaffrey this year, which is kind of funny. Just, uh, just throw that out there for the last thing of the show. But that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. I'll try to be here next time. And, uh, yeah, I've been Logan Blackman. Make sure to follow the different forms of social media. And make sure to follow, like, subscribe, all that good jazz to the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And leave a rating under five stars on both. And I will see you all later. Peace.